11 and verse 1. While you're heading there, I did want to say thank you so much to everybody who's here. If we could stand for the reading of the word today. Hallelujah. I want to say thank you so much to everybody who's here today, our visitors. Bob, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, thank you for making yourself feel at home here and just coming in and talking and testifying. Uh, that is just a blessing to us, and we thank you. Yes. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, it's wonderful to have you. It's good to have you all with us as well. Thank you so much for joining with us. God bless you. Yes, we are so thankful for the presence of the Lord here today. And uh, yes, Psalms chapter 27, verse 1, our service has gone a little long. Uh, I, I, I'm going to try to preach short. I'm going to try. Hallelujah. But I can't make any promises today because I just have a sermon stirring in my heart and um, you all got a chance to testify. Now it's my turn. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 27 and verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Do you have that testimony here today? Praise God. And though a host, an army, should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. He's confident that the Lord is his light and his salvation. All of a sudden, David takes a sharp turn. He's rejoicing in what the Lord has delivered him through, how the Lord has protected him, had cared for him. Then he makes just a beautiful statement in verse 4. Nonetheless, no matter what the Lord has done, the deliverances, the victories I've seen, there is truly only one thing that I have desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold, everybody say behold, the beauty, everybody say beauty, of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Oh, Jesus. I feel such a strong anointing in this house. I'd like to preach to you today. From verse 4, I'd like to preach on this topic. Behold the beauty of the Lord. Have you beheld the beauty of the Lord already in this service? I believe we've got 
captured a witness of the beauty of God as his presence has flowed through this, this house. Hallelujah. Can we right now just thank the Lord? Put your Bibles down and just for another minute, let's thank him for showing up. Let's thank him for touching us. Let's thank him for moving in our heart and in our mind. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for all that you've done. We thank you for all you're doing. We pray, Lord God, that you would bless us, Lord Jesus, in this house. Bless us, Lord God, that we might be able to hear your voice. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us in this house to behold your beauty and your grace. We love you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. David, the author of this, these scriptures, was well acquainted with fighting. He was a man of war, no doubt. And despite his desires to build the temple, we know that he was so much a man of war that God would not allow him to build the temple because of the blood on his hands. That's not to say that he was in any way wrong or in sin. Certainly that is the role that God had for him. He had to secure the nation of Israel. And because of his fighting... And because of his warfare, it it turned out that Solomon had many years of peace, right? But David, it seemed like he just could not catch a break. Every time he would have some great victory, another enemy or foe would rise up. He became very familiar with running and hiding. He was acquainted with the trenches. In fact, in the times of running from Saul and Absalom, his son, and all of his different enemies, David spent years hiding in caves. This is what he was familiar with. This is what he was used to. He was used to the darkness of the caves, just trying to make it, scrounging for food, fighting off whatever animal would seek to use him as a meal. David was well acquainted with the darkness, so it is no wonder why, as he's considering the enemies he's fought, the victories that God has given him, that his mind goes to those caves and that darkness. And he says, although God always delivered me, I can tell you I'd much rather be in the presence of the Lord and I'd much rather be in the house of God. He said, you know what, God, although I'm thankful for the victories and I'm thankful that you allowed me to win against every foe and every enemy. This is my true desire. This is my true wish. This is my one prayer that I would dwell in the house of the Lord for all of my life. 
see the ugly that he saw in the world. It put a desire in him to see the beauty of the temple of God, to see the beauty of the tabernacle, to see the beauty of the holiness of God. It put a desire in him because of what he saw in the world. Hallelujah. And I can tell you, as I'm sure many of us here could testify as you have, that out in this world, there is much darkness. This is especially the season for darkness. Right now at Dunkin' Donuts, where I work there, down in Fort Pierce, I work there part-time. Right now they've got it all decorated for Halloween. But when I say it's decorated for Halloween, I don't just mean they have some spiders up. They literally have a table with body parts. And that's what I have to walk into every day. But fake body parts with blood all around. I don't know how anybody has an appetite when they walk in. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then they sell blood orange refreshers. I don't get it. Hallelujah, but you, you, you're, you're used to that, right? You walk into Walmart and half the building is full of ghosts and goblins and witches. We're familiar with the darkness out there. Now, you know, I won't go all in on Halloween. I will tell you that my family has chosen not to celebrate Halloween. I, I won't, you know, I won't go too much further, but I will just tell you the reason I believe or we've chosen not to do it, and we don't condemn anybody who does, but we've chosen not to do it because I do feel that there are not very many redeeming qualities in Halloween. It started as a pagan holiday. They tried to change it, make it holy. They failed. It's still a pagan holiday that rejoices things that the Bible denies. He says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Everything about this this holiday, it rejoices in things that the Bible tells us we should get rid of and avoid. Praise God. I wasn't expecting to say all that today. Is this all right? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, again, I'm not casting any stones. I just want you to know why I don't do it. And I know, again, we may say, well, you know, my my kids dress up as a firefighter. What's evil with that? The Bible says to not associate yourself with evil. In fact, the Bible says to avoid the appearance of evil. Praise God. This this sermon was going to be beautiful. It was going to be great. Praise God. But you see, out in this world, there's so much evil and darkness. I just don't want to be a part of that. Hallelujah. I've been brought into, introduced into a world that is full of light and peace and joy. I don't want to go back to the cave. I don't want to go back to the trenches. I know at times fighting is worth it. And I know we got to go out in this world from time to time because we got to preach the gospel. Oh, but there's one thing that I would wish, one prayer, one desire that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. Can I tell you, compared to the darkness in this world, this church must become a great, bright light. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, he had a desire to be in the presence of God. And I can tell you now, having worked for about a month, I can tell you I, I felt, and, and I worked many years before that, I, I took about a five-year break to raise the children and to work for the church. It was a blessed time. Now I'm back into the workforce. It's reintroducing me to all the different feels and ideas and struggles of being a Christian in this world. And there's days where I go home from work and all I can do is plop down on the couch, you know, and lift up my feet for a couple hours and I feel just drained and worn out. I can tell you, I have appreciated the church more than ever before. I've appreciated Monday night prayer. And yes, I'm tired, but man, it's an opportunity to come into the presence of the Lord and to be in the presence of God after being in this world with all the evil and darkness out there. What a refreshing it is to step into the presence of God, to come on a Wednesday night, to hear the word preached, to be able to come down to the altar and pray and seek the face of God. It's a joy. Half of you aren't clapping because you don't come. Hallelujah. <laughs> and trust me, God has given me compassion on you as well. Because I do understand. Hallelujah. But I'm just saying it's just such a blessing to be able to come to church after being in the trenches and in the cave and in the darkness. I know sometimes we will come into church and, and Brother Kavan, I'm thinking of you. We come to church and we've got the to-do list, right? We got to turn this on and that on. We got to sing this song and make sure this is right and that is right. Oh, but Brother Kavan, let us not lose the love of the church and the presence of the Lord. I know there's business and there's work to be done. Oh, but let us return back to the love of God and the blessing it is to come to church. But David, he wasn't just expressing a desire for the presence of God, although he was. There's a dual meaning to this passage of Scripture. As he says, I desire... And I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord to behold the beauty of the Lord. Now we know there's beauty in the presence of God. We know the Holy Ghost is like water that refreshes our spirit. It's like I, I, I come into this place. Anybody ever done it? You come into this place, you're dragging. My right foot, I don't know, I favor my right foot at work, so I'm always dragging that foot. I feel like I'm dragging myself. Oh, but then it's the Spirit of God comes over me. It refreshes me, and I feel like I walk out of this place with a pep in my step, hallelujah, and I just feel rejuvenated, and I feel ready to face the world again. Hallelujah, that's the presence of the Lord. That's the presence of God. Hallelujah. But when he says to behold the beauty of the Lord, he wasn't just talking about the presence of God. I'm thankful for the presence of God. I'm thankful for the moves of the Spirit we have around here. 
I'm thankful, hallelujah, that we can come down to the altar and God will fill us with his spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that supernatural sign. I'm thankful for the healing that we've seen in this place, the blessings. Oh, I'm thankful for the gifts of the spirit like we had a couple weeks ago when we had the, the diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm thankful for the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. But when David said, I behold, to behold the beauty of the Lord, he wasn't just talking about the presence of God. But when he walked into the, pres- into the temple, the tabernacle, the house of the Lord, he also observed that the house of the Lord itself and the priests, they were examples of the beauty of the Lord. And we see this in Scripture, the temple, of course, Solomon's temple, the most beautiful building to ever have been built. You can see the beauty of the Lord in it. We see it in Exodus chapter 28 and verse 2. It says, And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. I want you to make garments for Aaron. And those garments are going to exemplify the glory and the beauty of the Lord. David recognized when I walk in, it's all right. I walk in and I sit down on a pew. I look around and he says, I can see, I behold the beauty of the Lord just by the tabernacle. Every curtain was a certain color which represented a different portion of God, a different idea of God. Every part of the Old Testament tabernacle represented something more about the character of God. The priesthood himself wore colors that represented the majesty of God and the presence of God. Not only did he experience the love of God through his presence when he came into the house of God, but he could see it. He beheld the beauty in the tabernacle. Hallelujah. This morning, this is just a simple sermon that God has placed in my heart. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank God that every time I walk into this building, I don't just recognize the presence of the Lord, but I can see the beauty of God in the people who come to this church. I can see the beauty of the Lord every time a door greeter gives me a smile and welcomes me into the house of God. I can see the beauty of the Lord every time an usher receives the money with a smile on his face. I can see the beauty of the Lord as Brother Victor has gone many times and helped some of our saints with their air conditioner systems that broke down 
around. Now, don't expect to always get it for free. Hallelujah. But I can see the beauty of the Lord as I see him going out and serving the people of God and humbling himself and giving of himself. I've seen the beauty of the Lord every time I see you, Sister Smith, go to one of the ladies of the church or go to a new guest in the church and lay your hands on them and pray for them and support them and encourage them. I'm telling you, that is the beauty of the Lord. We see it in this place. Hallelujah. Psalms 90 and 17. He says, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. I don't know about you, but that's my desire when people come into this house. Hallelujah. When they see me up behind this pulpit, I don't want them to see a hardened man that just has a bunch of knowledge and wisdom. I want them to see the beauty of the Lord as I preach through the fruit of the Spirit with truth and compassion mixed together. The beauty of the Lord. The desire of this scripture is that the divine character of God, that we would be considered beautiful, that it would not only be shown to us, but through us. I don't know about you, but the kindness and love that the Lord has shown to me, oh, I want to show it to every single person who steps through those doors. Every single person I come across, he's been gracious to me. Therefore, I want to be gracious to them. He's been loving to me. Therefore, I want to be loving to them. As a church, we must display the beauty of the Lord, specifically the beauty of holiness. First Chronicles, we see this all throughout Scripture. First Chronicles 16, 29, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalms 29 and 2. Psalms 29 and 2, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalms 96 and verse 9, it says, oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. What does that mean? It means, listen, I can't just come to church to worship and I can't just come to church to get encouraged. I need to come to the church and I need to worship in the beauty of the holiness of the Lord, the character of God. I need to represent that as well. And in this passage of Scripture specifically, he's referencing the garments of Aaron. That every time they looked upon Aaron and his garments, it would remind them of the attributes of God. Well, the Bible tells me that we have been called to be priests. Amen. 
The Bible tells us that we are chosen to be priests. So not just today are we just members. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you are a priest and a priestess of the Lord. That means I too want to represent Christ in the way that I dress. Is this all right here today? Hallelujah. Now listen, we're not here to knock anybody in the way they're dressed today. And, and you guys know that. But I'm saying for me, I want to come to church representing the beauty of, the holy, of God and the beauty of holiness. When I'm out in this world, I want people to recognize there's something different about me. Because I don't walk around without clothes on. And I'm always covered. And I'm always modest. And I'm always holy. I attempt to be. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You ladies have a great testimony in the way that you dress. People can see you from a mile and say, that must be an apostolic. That must be a Pentecostal. Don't tell me. They're not just seeing that you're some conservative. What they're seeing is the beauty of of the Lord in the way that you dress. They're looking upon you and they can see, they behold the beauty of God. But it's not just in how I dress, it's how I act. I want them to recognize the beauty of the Lord in how I act, how I treat people how I treat my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm preaching this today and in, in the prayer room. I don't know of any major things going around in the church. I'm not preaching this uh, responsively because things are happening. But I don't know, in prayer room, I felt like God put it in my heart and said, I'm going to heal the church today. I'm going to heal some individuals. I'm going to heal some relationships because I'm going to bring you together in the beauty of holiness. I'm going to bring you together again into unity. I'm going to magnify my people and I'm going to bring you together that you may represent the beauty of the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. He says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of my can I tell you we need more humility in the church and I'll just preach from from me I need more humility if we could exercise more humility I tell you there's no one who exercised more humility than God robing himself in flesh just to die at a man's hand can we also humble ourselves the Bible says, submit ye one to another. Jesus submitted himself. God submitted himself to the man's hand. Can we not submit each to each other? Can we not lift each other up while allowing ourselves to be brought low? Hallelujah. Can we submit and humble ourselves to one another? Can we exercise meekness? Can we suffer long? 
with those whose characteristics and personalities may not mesh well with ours. Is this all right today? The Bible says that he put many members in the body of Christ. That means many different types of people. If we all looked and acted the same, then that'd be the only group that we'd be able to save. There's a diversity in this church for a reason. It's because God says uh, there's a diversity of people who I want you to save. Uh, Hallelujah. But that means that we're going to have clashes of personalities. We're going to have clashes of opinion. Can we not come to church with humility and long-suffering? Can we not recognize... And again, I'm not saying this, and it may sound like I'm, I'm saying this at somebody. I'm not doing this at all. But hopefully we can hear these things and it can lift us up that we may become better church. Can we not suffer longer with those who may take longer to grow than others? Those who may not get it right away. Those that might take years and years before they truly grasp it. Can we be long-suffering? Can we forbear one another in love? Can we forgive one another when somebody hurts us or says something wrong to us? Listen, if you think that everybody here is an angel, you're wrong. It's not going to take you long to realize we're all flesh. And though we're pursuing these things, it doesn't mean that we always act them out. There's going to be times where I'm going to offend you. My brother Victor, and I don't know that he was offended by this, but my brother Victor a couple weeks ago was late to, to the sermon. When I say late, I mean he was only an hour early instead of two hours early. And, you know, I am so used to him being here two hours early that when he came here, I said to him, oh, you're late today. And I didn't even realize, for me, I was saying it in a sense of, you're so faithful how irregular this is. I didn't realize how that could come off the wrong way. And it would actually look like I was condemning him. I'm here all the time faithful, and the one time I'm late, I get condemned. Sometimes we say stuff, right? We put our foot in our mouth. We're misunderstood. We don't, and and Brother Victor, if I haven't said it, please forgive me. Hallelujah. I believe I've already asked that, but if I'm not, please forgive me. But see, sometimes we're going to do that. We're going to hurt each other. Not meaning to, hopefully. But on accident, we're going to say things. And, and I hope to God that we can learn that no one's here. It does it out of, out of mean-spirited. But that we would learn to forgive one another. Because nobody can hurt you worse than family. And there's nobody that we usually have to exercise the most forgiveness with in family. And the more we dwell together, the more we spend time together, we're going to hurt each other. 
we're going to say things and don't mean it, or maybe we mean it, but we didn't know it was going to hurt that bad, and we were just playing a joke, whatever it is. Can we learn to forgive one another? If any man have a quarrel against any, forgive them. And look at this. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To the which, in that peace, we are called in one body. This is one body. But to maintain that body, we have to work at it. And we must become instruments of peace and love and humility and forgiveness. Is this okay? If you're, this is all right, would you clap your hands and thank the Lord here today? Because when people come in that, those doors, before they ever step into the presence of the Lord, they're going to have to know are we the examples of the beauty of God? Jesus said it in John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. When they walk through those doors, are they going to see love? When they walk through those doors, are they going to recognize long-suffering? Are they going to see a people who are willing to go out of their way to love on people, not just because they're a guest and they want them to come back, but because you genuinely want to see them saved and you genuinely want to see their life better and they know that they're the disciple of God because of how they treat each other. Brother Louise said to me yesterday, he said, the thing that, that stood out to him about this church was how kind everybody was to him when he first came. And that was on a day that I wasn't here. I tell you, I can see the beauty of the Lord in this church. If we could stand today. We can see the beauty of God in the presence of the Lord. And I pray we can see the beauty of the Lord in the music, in the preaching. We can see the beauty of the Lord in all of this building. Isn't this building just beautiful? Aren't we blessed here with this building? We can see the handiwork of God. But can they see the beauty of the Lord in you and me? Today I want to challenge you as 2 Corinthians does. If you could throw up my last scripture there. It says, but we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. What he means is, when I look 
in the mirror. What do I see? Do I see a man or a woman who is bitter and angry? Do I see a man or a woman who has a chip on their shoulder and is just waiting on somebody to say the wrong thing? Oh, do I see the beauty of the Lord? And I recognize we're not perfect and we're never going to be perfect. But he says, I want to look in the mirror and I want to see the glory of the Lord. And if I don't see it yet, I'm going to change from glory to glory to glory. I'm going to go back into the prayer room. I'm going to go back down to the altar. I'm going to go back and worship the Lord a little longer until I can see the beauty of the Lord when I look in the mirror. I'm going to go back. Brother, come on. Could you stand up here for a moment? This is heavy. And you're strong and young. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So this morning, it's a simple sermon. We've talked about what HPPC means to us. We've talked about you know, what this building means and what each other mean to us. And again, I'm here to testify I've seen the beauty of the Lord in the people that come to this church. But I would love for you to take a good long look at your week. Take a look in the mirror and say, this week, how many times did I curse How many times did I act in a way that I shouldn't have acted? How many times did I yell at people who didn't deserve it? How many times did I act pridefully? How much bitterness is in my heart because of unforgiveness? Can we take a look in the mirror today? Can we say, God... I'm not going to stop going down to the altar until I see you when I look in the mirror. I'm not going to stop going to church until I see you when I look in the mirror. I'm not going to stop reading my Bible until I see you when I look in the mirror. I'm done here today. Hallelujah. I would love for you to come down to this altar and spend a moment looking in a proverbial mirror and saying, God, 